Welcome to Draft Week, breaking down Daniel Jeremiah's top 150 prospects for the 2022 NFL Draft. Who's too high? Who's too low? What can we learn about this draft class? Coming up right now. You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson at the Peacock at Williamson NFL. Thanks for making us your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I got to make everybody aware of the final episode dropping today, Monday, Matt, of the <laughs> Ultimate Mock Draft. It is in the books. Not only every pick in round one, but all the teams that did not have picks in round one, those teams represented whenever they have their first picks. And uh, hosted by Matt and I, it was really fun. Another year in the books, Matt, which means it's draft week as well. So let's get into this thing. Happy draft week to you and to all the listeners. I mean, it's now, we are now down the home stretch. These couple days are always difficult for me because the calm before the storm makes me a little crazy and it is liar season full yes. fledged. I mean, that's for sure. But the ultimate mock draft was a blast. I was very impressed with the whole network as you know, to be honest with you. And, and the whole thing was really well done yet again. The way you guys put things together is amazing. I urge everyone to check it out. Speaking of lying season uh, from Matt Miller of ESPN, Draft analyst, he's hearing that maybe Iki Ekwanu, potentially number one, or at least that the Jaguars really love him. Is it a lie? Do they like him a lot, but not enough to draft him one? A uh, very mm. interesting name there that this popping up for the first overall pick. It seems universally now that uh, a lot of people still have Aiden Hutchinson in there, but more people than not have Trevon Walker at number one. But uh, neither one of those guys is number one in Daniel Jeremiah's top 150. And I, I love Daniel Jeremiah's top 150 because he's plugged in. He, he talks to yeah, so yeah. many people around the league, and I, I know when he says he's hearing something, he's actually for sure hearing it from some very important people, and he talks to not only scouts, but GMs and executives, and obviously he has the power of the NFL uh, brand behind him as well, so he has access that is needed to get anywhere he needs, basically, to talk to the folks he needs, and he, he, you know, he just does a great job, so that's why we're going to go to DJ's top 150 here, his final 150 for the draft, final, and see if yeah, we can right. learn anything from this, and some of it's his own just rankings, which you know you can take with a grain of salt, because all 32 teams have 32 different draft boards, but I, I think back to like a couple of years ago, I remember Hollywood Brown, and I remember through the draft process looking at receivers and looking at that class and was like, well, DK Metcalf's clearly a top 10 pick, and he's going to be the dude. And then Daniel Jeremiah's like, Hollywood Brown's going to easily be the first receiver taken in this class. And I was like, Hollywood Brown? He's like, yeah, yeah. you have to put three of them together to get one DK Metcalf, and they have the same speed. And I was thinking, that doesn't add up. And sure enough, Hollywood Brown was the number one receiver taken in the class. And he, you know, and he does that often where he throws a name out there and – and clearly teams like the players he's talking about. Oh, yeah. I mean, DJ does fantastic work. I think I mentioned it last week. He came to the Browns organization the day I left the Browns organization. And I <laughs> uh, respect his work very much. He's very dialed in. Uh, I think a lot of his rankings are more his thoughts. I, and mocks are more what he hears. But mm -hmm. obviously, there's an overlap. And he has a saying that I respect a lot, too, is he... He ranks with his eyes and he mocks with his ears. Mm. So <laughs> I mean, that, that makes some sense to me. Um, 
let's dig into it. I mean, I, I think that there's a lot to unpeel here. It's going to lead to a lot of different other conversations. And, you know, you let the show off mentioning Ekwanu, too. I would have no problem at all drafting one of those linemen, probably Ekwanu ahead of Neal as the first overall pick. I mean, again, I understand that the O-line has gotten a little better for the Jags, but the only thing that matters is making Lawrence's life, making Lawrence a success. And I think Ekwanu helps that more than anything. And Daniel Jeremiah does have Ekwanu in front of Neil. Here's the start of DJ's top 150. He goes Aiden Hutchinson one, Sauce Gardner two, which is a little surprising in its own right. Sauce Gardner, the second overall guy. Number three is Ekwanu. Number four is wide receiver Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State. And then Kyle Hamilton, the safety, who's fallen a little bit. A lot of folks had him as their top one or two prospect in the entire draft. And even for those folks that loved him a lot going into the process have dropped him a little bit, but still top five here for Daniel Jeremiah. But uh, speaking of Ikwanu there, I want to finish my thoughts on him because while he's so fun to watch, when you watch him play, it's like, yes, because offensive linemen aren't. I, I go back to, do you remember when the Patriots drafted a guard out of Fresno State about 15 years ago? Mr. Mankins in in the first round, Logan yeah, Mankins yeah. had the best cut up of any uh, offensive lineman I can remember. You know, when a player gets drafted and there's a 30 second B roll of highlights for an offensive lineman, it's like whatever. You know, they're blocking a little bit, or maybe they show him lifting, you know, 225 pounds 50 times. But the the Mankins highlight clip was fun. He was burying guys. It was like, oh, this guy's awesome. This is like the the best offensive line highlight reel I've ever seen. Iki Ekwanu kind of has some of that. But in the end, if if the question about you as an offensive tackle is, ah, he's not a great pass blocker yet, I I just can't put you that high. So uh, as fun as Ekwanu is, I would still probably put Neil there. And look, Neil got to go against the best edge rusher in the draft next year in practice. He's played multiple positions. So I'd still have Neil ahead of Ekwanu, but I love Ekwanu. He's fun to watch, and I can see why people really like him, and there's a, a ton of potential there. But when when anywhere in your scouting report for an offensive tackle, it says needs to do work as a pass protector, I, I, I'm, I'm not putting you number one in any draft. Yeah, and, and I'm going to steal this from Brandon Thorne, who's really the best line guy in the media and he you know, breaks down pro and, and as well as prospects. And I, I love how he said this. He said, Ekwanu's best thing, I'm paraphrasing run blocking, of course, is way better than any other lineman in this, in this draft best thing, you know, like of all the things that all these guys do, Charles Cross's pass protection, you know, Linderbaum's, you know, mobility, Ekwanu's run blocking is the best thing of any of these offensive linemen. But it's only it's still only run blocking. <laughs> you know well, what I mean? Less like important still, than yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's and not some like teams will judge that differently. It's know? not like Evan Neal's a bad run blocker, right? But a little bit no, of pass right, blocker right, right. and it has all that size and length. And so um yeah. But anyway, I you think know, that's like, why it's gonna be an edge player that goes number one. And you know, Aiden Hutchinson's you wish he had longer arms, but man, if if you said he's gonna have a Bosa like career, I'd be like, Yeah, that that makes sense because he's super athletic. He's actually I think got more um, athleticism than both Boses, but it's that arm length is a little bit worrisome. Is it really going to matter? Is he just going to turn out to be good? But man, the highest floor in the class. So I agree that Hutchinson should be one, but the ones that stand out to me in the top five, and we'll start moving a little faster here with some of these, but mm-hmm. Sauce Gardner, two, the second best player in the entire draft, and Garrett Wilson, four, not only the top receiver, but a top five player in this class. 
See, I can make the case that Gardner's actually won uh, and Stingley isn't far behind. I think those two corners are elite corners. <laughs> I kind of like out. that. If, if if there was a team that had a draft board that went Gardner-Stingley or Stingley-Gardner, I, I, I couldn't really fight too hard on that. I'd understand, yeah. I've having a hard time, and this is a Steelers need a receiver, mostly dynasty thoughts. My receiver ranks and thoughts, I think, change every day, and – I understand Wilson. I think he's a really good prospect, but uh, I think we both agree Chase Waddle, Devontae Smith were all better at this stage of their career one year ago than Wilson is now. I mean, I have a hard time with him at four, to be honest with you. I'm not sure he's the number one receiver, let alone the fourth best player in this draft. But again, this goes back to the top is weak. I would be drafting all those tackles, all those corners, all those yeah. edge guys in the top 10 over Garrett Wilson. But I would put Wilson as my number one wide receiver because of the ACL thing with Jameson Williams. And look, Wilson was ahead of Williams on the depth chart uh, at Ohio State, too, which is why mm-hmm. uh, Jameson Williams ended up at Alabama. Um, he's just he, he's pretty safe in that he's a great route runner, got great ball skills. Uh, you can play him anywhere. He's electric, top-end speed. He's got a little bit of everything, as DJ points out here, just a complete skill set. He gets reminded of Stephon Diggs. I think he's got a little bit more than Stephon Diggs, just with just um, pure athleticism. He's got more juice than yes. Diggs. Yeah, and so I, I think he's a plug-and-play guy. If you need a wide receiver and you want to feel good that you're going to get a guy who can do a little bit of everything for you, you wish he was maybe a little bit bigger, but I think he's head plays heavier than six feet. I mean, six feet, he's, he's tall as he's going to be, but um, his 183 pounds, I think, was him trying to run four threes at the combine, which he did. He's got pretty thick calves, and I think he's more yeah, he's in the 190s little. as a, as a player, I, I would guess, even though he's mm-hmm. not like a power player or anything. You mentioned Ekwanu's highlight tape, and be careful scouting just off highlight tapes. Wilson's is awesome. Oh, yes. <laughs> you can see that about a lot of these guys. Trevon Walker's another one because his highlight tape, you see so much speed to power, uh, just violent hands, and you see what he could be, and I think that's why potentially Walker is the number one player in this draft to the Jaguars. Um, uh, you know, it's, it, But I think I think DJ has it right. He's a top 10 guy, tons of potential, but um, he's sixth on Dar- Daniel Jeremiah's list, followed by Drake London, wide receiver from USC 7. Evan Neal comes in at number 8. Jeremiah or Jermaine Johnson uh, comes in number. I always want to call him Jeremiah Johnson for some reason. Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State comes in at number nine and 10 is Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon. And I think I have a the more I watch these guys, the more I thought, oh, man, such a great offseason and pre draft workout and and senior bowl and everything for Jermaine Johnson and, and great season. And then Kayvon Thibodeau, some people are, you know, asking questions like how much do you you love it? But when you watch him play, it's like, Kayvon Thibodeau's like, he's a top five guy in this class. That's what I keep coming back to, I think, with Thibodeau. And even if you have some questions there, it's either you draft him before Jermaine Johnson or you don't draft Thibodeau at all. It's kind of my my thing. So um, I do have, I think Jermaine Johnson has been pushed up a little too far. He's got a little stiffness, and I think he's really good. And I I don't have a problem if he goes number 10 overall, say, to the Jets who need an edge guy. But I think he's a little bit more of a a mid-first-round guy than just a clear slam-dunk top 10 guy. And I would definitely take Thibodeau over Johnson based on their – based on not interviewing them and knowing them personally. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear what you're saying. And of the second five, that kind of stood out to me that – I, I think Johnson's more in that Falcon, Seahawk, Jets, Vikings neighborhood. You know, I mean, again, the end of the top 10, early teens 
where Thibodeau is going to go be gone, you know, several picks before that. Um, I, I mentioned uh, Thibodeau to me has the, the best get off, you know, the, the, just the, the best first step of any of these edge guys. And that's his calling card, but it's not the only thing. Um, another thing that stood out in these second five is just like I said about Wilson, an exact same conversation, London at seven to me, I'm not enamored with them. I mean, and I, it, this kind of implies to me a little bit, and we've been saying this all along, that I think these wide receivers are going to go, I'm not going to say earlier than they should, but they're not going to last very long, even though there's a lot of them. It's hard. I, I really think the wide receiver, and I'm with you, I think both these receivers may be just a, a tick high in these overall rankings, especially London, when you don't get... Uh, like at, in this day and age in the NFL, you, you don't have a 40 time and there's already questions about your speed. I don't see how you're a top 10 guy. Like you, you just, yeah, you, right. you just didn't get a chance to check that box, you know? So and I'm he's not Jamison Williams just running away from people at the college right. level either. Right. They're contested catches. And I, I did hear somebody that's a London fan saying, yeah, there's a ton of contested catches and he might be right. I didn't watch every throw. But the quarterback play at USC was pretty bad. The ball didn't come out on time. He's often waiting for throws, or the throw's not where it's supposed to be. It doesn't lead him. You know, that's what scouts that do this and watch every snap break down. I mean, I don't have that luxury, but I can (laughs) see that argument. But that's the pro-London crowd. I'm not sure I'm on that side of the fence. That's trying pretty hard. And you can like London London a lot and not be worried about his speed. Because I I like the way at his size that he can get open. He's got some great feet. You know, he's got that basketball background and those ball skills. But if we're talking about potentially being a top 10 pick versus, you know, Exactly. Uh, right. You know, a pick 10 spots later, you're kind of nitpicking here, but I, I just don't see how you could slam dunk throw him in there uh, ahead of some of these other receivers because you don't have a complete picture yet of Drake London. And the tape tells you that you should be worried maybe a little bit about speed. You know, if he's if he's not going yeah. to uncover a ton in the NFL, what where's that value these this day and age? I have really mixed feelings about this receiver class as a whole. Yeah. I, I don't see I think star power. I I, mean, I, the, the run to me is in the teens and not in the top 10. I think it starts. Right. At, I start. It starts at ten for me and ends at like twenty-two. That's the wide receiver run. And there's hundred percent. But if you're position. the Falcons or Jets and you go into this draft saying I have to get one, well, you're probably taking a guy a little too early. Right. But the, it's deep enough to those teams will go through this and say, oh, let's just take Watson in round two or Sky Moore or, um, you know, I tend to agree with you, but like the Chiefs and the Packers and. End around one, the Lions. I mean, there's a lot of landmines for Sky Moore and Watson to get scooped up quick. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, it's a little scary to wait. Know, Alec Pierce, how, how much do you like the depth? You know, do you like round three? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, we'll see how it goes. I just think that it, there's, there's going to be tackles and corners and edge rushers in the top ten. Then the receivers go in the teens. Uh, I, so- I think that's how it should go. There's the top 10. Our takeaways from DJ's top 150 prospects for the 2022 NFL draft coming up. Our next partner has a product I literally use every day, and I've been blown away by how much better I feel after drinking one scoop with water is all it takes, and you've got all your vitamins, all your minerals, all your superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens, 75 high-quality vitamins in the morning, first thing, super easy, one scoop in water, boom, you're done, and it feels amazing. And I was skeptical. I was surprised how good I feel and how much I needed all those vitamins 
and nutrients every day. So do yourself a favor. Go to athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network to try Athletic Greens for yourself. Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover. Cost him like $100 a day. We're talking about only three, less than $3 a day to get all of those health benefits you need. Are you lactose intolerant? You can get those probiotics. If you can't do something like yogurt, you get all of that with Athletic Greens along with all of the vitamins. Lifestyle friendly, paleo, keto, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, no artificial anything. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Jordan Davis, he's a really tough one in this class. Someone's going to see all of his athleticism and say, oh, he is going to be uh, so much better pro than he was a college player. But how valuable is a nose tackle in this day and age? Is there more there as a pass rusher? Because he's not uh, Casey Hampton, right? He's not. No, he's not Will Fork. Uh, he's not, you know, right. yeah, six, Will Fork, yeah, six one three fifty. He's six, what, seven three fifty, right? Or three forty. <laughs> right. So, uh, he's, carries he's a, it well in the early run. He's a different guy. I, I, I'm going to plug him, just a spoiler, I'm, I'm plugging him in 14 to the to the Baltimore Ravens. I just think it's the right place to go, the right team that will value him. And, and so he's 14 on my list. 11 here for Daniel Jeremiah, by the way. Derek Steenley Jr. is 12. Uh, 13 is Devin Lloyd, linebacker from Utah, which is really hard to place him when you're doing a mock. Trent McDuffie, 14 out of Washington. Chris Olave and Jameson Williams from Alabama, back-to-back, 15 and 16 overall. Yeah, I was just pulling up uh, Vita Vea's Wikipedia page. He was the 12th pick overall. To me, that's a comparison. And you look at a guy like Vita Vea, who doesn't have to leave the field on third down and has value all the time and can run. And I'm sure if you ask any center or guard in the league, do you like lining up against Vita Vea? They're going to say, no, not one bit. I mean, I think that can be Jordan (laughs) Davis. He's never going to have eight to 10 sacks, but I'm with you. I mean, I'd be shocked if he gets past Baltimore and I got no problem with him at 11. I prefer Stingley, but you know, I'm, I'm splitting hairs here as well. I also think McDuffie's going to go pretty high, who's 14th on this list. And seeing how Daniel Jeremiah has his wide receivers, and he's got London 2 after Wilson, Olave 3, Williams 4. I could see a lot of teams having Williams 1 if it wasn't for the ACL. How far does that push him down? Do they just not care? You know, If they're getting the fifth-year option, they're like, whatever. He's going to be ready maybe for our playoff run. So maybe a team at the back half of the first round would have absolutely no problem with Jameson Williams. I think that's maybe how it ends up going. Uh, the better the team, the less they'll care about Williams' ACL because they'll be fine until he's ready to go, and maybe they'll even have him for a playoff run. Um, La- Olave's- or the opposite. I mean, you could be Atlanta and say, we're going to be horrible. That's true. And not that they're tanking, but we wouldn't mind getting the first-round pick. Why not take Williams and lose the first 10 games until he comes back? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and really, I mean, The really t- bad teams and the really good teams, I think, would be most interested in Williams. There you go. And yeah. to me... It just goes to show like every single team is going to have a different ranking, not only for a lot of these prospects in this sort of odd draft season, because I think there's, you know, you could make the argument for um, 
I mean, just you can make the argument for 50, 60 guys as first round picks this year. And, right. You know, sure. and, and I think the wide receiver position is definitely going to be eye of the beholder and it could go in any order. And some team might be fighting to trade up to get a guy and another team doesn't really like him at all and is barely in their top 10 wide receivers. So um, that's how I see that going. Let's roll through some of these uh, rankings here. N'Kobe Dean, Georgia linebacker, 17. George Karloftis, 18. Edge rusher from Purdue. Traylon Burks is 19. Climbing back up. Funny funny how this goes. Traylon Burks started off as maybe the wide that. receiver one in this class. He fell down after the combine and workouts to, you know, not even in the top five and then uh, and has now climbed back up a couple spots back into DJ's top 20 here. He's 19 and he could go just about anywhere. Trevor Penning, offensive tackle from Northern Iowa, 20. Dax Hill, who's got some helium right now, and uh, I'd be betting he's a first-round pick when it's all said and done at this point. He is 21. Michigan safety out, uh, um, yeah, Michigan safety on Daniel Jeremiah's list. Charles Cross at 22 on the list. Devontae Wyatt, Jordan Davis's teammate, interior defensive lineman at Georgia, 23. Kenny Pick at 24, and Jahan Dotson at 25. That is the top 25 on Daniel Jeremiah's top 150. Not a ton to contribute there, except for Cross at 22 sounds very low, as in he's the opposite of Ekwanu, where it's, boy, I know he's great in protection, but he hardly ever run blocks. I think that has immense value, and you keep hearing even the Giants are enamored with Cross. I mean, maybe he goes as high as seven. I mean, I don't know if that's crazy. Why it's a good player, he's a little older, he has some off-the-field stuff, and you know, he, he's a, a quick penetrator, but I don't know that he's for everyone. I, I think if you're like Tampa or Dallas, that is a good team wanting to win right now, he'd come in and give your front a, a spark, you know. Um, Burks is like these other receivers, but um, he's his own beast, obviously. I don't know what to think of him, but I can understand why he'd be 19th overall on this list. He's really big and he's really hard to tackle. Charles Cross at 22 is interesting because, look, if I'm just looking at, if this was the consensus of all GM's draft boards, I'd be looking at this draft thinking, okay, have fun with Equanu at five. Uh, I'm drafting Charles Cross at 22. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Because I'm getting the better pass blocker in Charles Cross, and I think he's going to be fine as a run blocker as well, even though he came from the scheme he came from, and and he was recruited as a different type of player with a different offense there at Mississippi State, and then they end up being this air raid thing. So it's not like he was, um, you know, a borderline tight end over there in college. No, right, right. Uh, and, People and, worry he's Andre Dillard. Yes, and I think you see enough of him, and Andre Dillard's comp hurts him overall, but I, I'm fine with Cross, and the fact that he's a good pass blocker is more valuable to me, than, and, and I think he'll be a fine run blocker than uh, when you consider where I was taking Equanu first, but where when you consider right. where they might be ranked. And, yeah, I could see Cross going as high as, as number six. If if uh, yep. if Neal and Equanu go in the top five and then the Panthers are on the clock at six, and I would go Cross over one of those quarterbacks and then go find a veteran quarterback. That's what I would do if I was the Panthers. So Me I would too. have no problem with him in the top six, but maybe he's that value selection that falls to the middle of round one and a team gets a franchise tackle. I, I can't imagine any scenario that he gets past the Saints with those two picks in the yes. you know the mid to late teens. They'd be thrilled if he's actually in this neighborhood. I, I think he'll be gone well before that. Yeah, if he gets past 16, then is he going to get past 17 in the Chargers? And he's definitely not going to get past the Saints twice at 19 if the Saints go quarterback or wide receiver or something at 16. So, yeah, th- there's there's no chance that he falls into the 20s, I don't think, for, no, I don't for think so. Garrett Cross. Um, Last and- little tackle note there, like, I Seattle's so weird and they do things their own way. I can see them taking Penning over Cross, which I would never do in a hundred years. But 
I could see them doing. I could see that, and then still Charles Cross doesn't fall past nineteen. But I could see right, right. them there being a, a little bit of an order. And again, it's, it depends on what you value, uh, how you see these players, and um, don't be surprised on draft day when you when your eyebrow is raised a time or two. I just I will, I will say that. And yeah, uh, another note here on the quarterbacks: Kenny Pickett, the first quarterback on the list, comes in at twenty four, with the second quarterback. Malik Willis coming in at 26. So 24 and 26, and he has Pickett 1, Willis 2 on his board. Yeah, obviously very close to one another. There are three spots with Jahan Dotson in between them. I'm rooting for Kenny. I like Kenny. I think he's going to be an NFL starter. I think Willis would clearly be my pick. Like, I don't know if you caught this, but it's noteworthy the number he said. Todd McShay said, I think think this morning or last night that his sources are telling him no one in the top 19 red flag the Steelers pick 20 is going to take a quarterback and again it's lying season but if I'm the Steelers I'm taking Willis all day long over Pickett and that's true for most teams (laughs) yeah see that's where that's the question I've had and when I'm doing mock drafts I'm thinking okay I can't let Willis fall past 20 uh, Agreed. And I probably plug him somewhere sooner. The question is, do the Steelers like Willis enough to move up to 12? You know what I mean? That That's yeah. that's the questions I have. If you if you like him enough to take it 20, you like him enough to, you know, throw a, a third and go up two spots, probably, right? Uh, like, depending on what a team will see, take. I could see going to 16, 17. I can't see going to 10 and costing you a future first. Or so that's second, where you draw the line is, I mean? is once it starts costing a future first, then you're probably out. What if it costs you your first and second this year? I don't think I would trade 20 and 53 for Willis right this second. Okay. So it's almost like that's if he falls, we take him. Yeah. Uh, if we can go up just a little bit and it's cheap, we'll take him. That's that's the extent. I mean, it's such a it's a small thing to our listeners, but they signed Terrell Edmonds over the weekend. So I'm not saying like Dax Hill's out of the equation at 20, but mm. I felt like they had to get a safety and a wide receiver and a quarterback if you're going to, or no quarterback at all. A, a small signing like that, when you really know a team, indicates that quarterback at 20 to me is. And more in play now than it was three days ago. Yeah, that that is, and that that's even better than getting one of these lying season reports out there. Just because right, that's talk. telling you, we just signed a starting safety. Right, Edmonds has played every snap since he's been in the league for the Steelers. He's going to be the starting strong safety. That's a big deal because you've it's been mocking deal. safety at twenty to the Steelers. Like that signals right. quarterback to me. Like I, I mean, I still think Dax Hill would be a great fit because he could play a slot and does all sorts of things. But now. I think the writing's on the wall that there's certain types of safeties they won't draft. I mean, maybe they'll draft these Tyron Matthew type safety types, but they just eliminated a need. Okay, we've got the top 26 in Daniel Jeremiah's top 150. Then between 27 and 150, we'll just talk about some of the names that stand out either high or yeah, low yeah. on his list next. That's a good neighborhood to go shopping in, by the way. Oh, it is. For what it, it costs you, you know. It is a deep class there. There are new flavors being developed all the time at Built.com. Go get yourself a Built Bar. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Flavors like cookies and cream, mint brownie, cherry barcia, peanut butter brownie. Love those. Coconut, if you're into that thing. I'm not a coconut guy, but there is the Built Bar Puffs, which are unbelievable because they're the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. Coconut marshmallow. 
a banana cream pie. It looks like the brownie batter, though. It was one of the newer flavors sold out very quickly. I'm not sure what flavor you want. Go get a mixed box or build your own box of Built Bars. It is high in protein, low in calorie, low in net carbs, and low in sugar. And right now, a special deal going on at Built.com. So get over to the website right now and find yourself that low-calorie, high-protein snack that is covered in 100% real chocolate. You really feel like you got yourself a snack with Built Bars is the best part. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. When you consider, Matt, uh, it's funny. My mind is, is still stuck on pick 20 and the Steelers, and it's funny because I did a podcast last year um, May, or I know the day it was, it was March 25th. I was on the Locked On NFL Draft podcast as a guest, okay. and I was drafting for the San Francisco 49ers. And I thought the Niners would be in on a quarterback. And I thought, I don't think they're going to trade a future first, though. You're going to wait, and you're going to try to maybe get up right in front of Carolina and Denver, and maybe the 49ers could trade up there or just wait until 12 to draft a quarterback. Less than 24 hours later, the Niners traded not only one extra first, but two extra first-round <laughs> picks to go from 12 to number three for a quarterback. So I will say that about um, I was in the exact same boat as you, thinking what the 49ers, right, right. my team, might do with quarterback. And when you have a quarterback need, things change. And so I wonder if uh, maybe we'll all be shocked by how high a team, like maybe even the Steelers, goes up and gets a quarterback. I'd just rather have Lance from last year than Willis from this year. Yes, well said. Yeah. I want to point to Matt Corral, who comes in all the way at number 40 on Daniel Jeremiah's list here uh, of quarterbacks. And so, and which starts to, and he's actually dropped five spots since Daniel Jeremiah's last top 50 ranking. So that kind of goes with what I'm feeling. Like he is not a first round guy. And I keep hearing, he's been invited to the draft. I keep hearing his name as a first round player. It's like, I just, I just don't see it. And as much as I don't see these other guys as high first round picks, I kind of get it. And with, with, Corral, I just do not see a first-round athlete, a first-round prospect. Like, am I wrong there? I don't think you're wrong at all. I, I'm not saying he's terrible or I want nothing to do with him. But not only is he fifth in my quarterback ranks, he's clearly five. Like, I'm liking Howell more and more, you know, as a second-rounder. Corral, to me, is just red flag after red flag. I mean, his size really worries me. He's a little person by NFL standard. It's not like, oh, he'll put on 15 pounds of muscle. No, he's little. And he puts his way in his body in harm's way a lot. He's a very twitchy athlete. The way he throws, runs, everything's quick. And that's his best thing to me. And he is tough. I'm not taking that away from him. But he puts himself in harm's way a lot because of it. A unbelievably high percentage of his throws were at or behind the line of scrimmage, like shockingly high. And I've mentioned this before, too. I mean, Lane Kiffin takes the ball out of his hands on third and medium, third and short routinely, not once in a while. You know, they'll run draws or a quarterback, you know, RPOs, even though it's short of the stick. And I hesitate to say this. He has a low wonder lick, too. It's weird because the, the that, thing that know? everyone points to is like this just magic sauce. It's like, oh, he's got something. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's very old school scouty. It's like, ah, this guy's he's tough and this guy's, uh, he's going to go. It's like, uh, maybe, and maybe there's something to maybe. it. But if I'm drafting Corral, I want him to follow the third round and I get pleasantly surprised by how good he is, not 
expect him to be a franchise quarterback and draft him in round one. Um, you mentioned Sam Howell. He's the fourth quarterback on DJ's list at 48. Oh, is he fourth? Okay. And Desmond Ritter is fifth at 51. And I would have Desmond Ritter in the top three. But again, I'm not so high on Ritter. Like, Ritter's even gotten to the point where a lot of people are talking about him in round one. It's like, I liked Ritter because I thought he was going to be the guy that you draft in the second round, like I mentioned with Corral, and be like, okay, here's a second-round guy, and maybe he becomes something, you know? Um mm-hmm. Not like I'm going to draft him to be my franchise quarterback. You know, really, Willis is the only one yeah. tools-wise that you that I'm drafting in the first round. The other, the rest of them, I, I want to have another draft pick that I've already taken to help my football team, and then a quarterback still there for me in the next round or two. And I think this guy's a developmental quarterback that could be a starter in the NFL, but I'm not going to bank on it. That's how I feel about all these quarterbacks. So in, in a way, Ritter is in the right spot. I don't know that I'd have him fifth of these quarterbacks, though. He would not be fifth for me. He'd be second or third. If you don't like him, I think you could say he's a little robotic. He's a little bit of a paint-by-numbers quarterback that, you know, I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this. I mean, despite his athleticism, he's not a great improvisational Mm -hmm. player, and you need that in this league. Um, But he does get better every year. There are good traits, you know, but I'm more – Ritter, if I'm the Lions at 32 because I get that fifth year option, okay, you know. But I this is either the, a DJ podcast or one of the Pro Football Focus podcasts. Someone came up with the term of the car corollary. I might be wrong on that. C A R R Derek Carr, and you mem- remember the Mendoza line, or people used to talk about <laughs> yeah. the Dalton line. Yes. Well, they came up with this higher line like the Mendoza line was like if you hit over 200 like it was if you were below that you can't play in the league right well they came up with like Derek Carr or better are the guys I'm giving all the money they want to they can carry my team they they made him the worst one to do that with right after his contract Willis is the only one to me that could get over that level I think that's perfect because you're the other quarterbacks you think oh man I think they could get to that level but right. Willis is the one where it's like, exactly. and and Willis is also like, oh man, he might not even get to the Mendoza line. You don't know what oh, he, he could be, be, but at uh, least yeah. you can dare to dream that he's going to get over that. With the other guys, it's like you just have to believe mentally that these guys are just going to become surgeons in the NFL and and rip people apart. And it's really hard this day and age, and, and, and even less likely than it used to be that that's the kind of quarterback you're going to develop in the league. Yep, and frankly, and this is way putting the cart in front of the horse, but if it's Ritter, Pickett, Howe in particular, because I am low on Corral, they're still worth a high pick. You know, this whole uh, Tannehill-Titan conversation we had in that I'm going to have a cheap quarterback for four or five years and I could go buy other things. But they don't then qualify, most likely, I'm not selling them too short, I hope, as, yeah, we'll just give you a blank check when your first contract's over. And And... In some ways, you're also just throwing away a draft pick. Because, <laughs> like, for me, if if you don't believe this is the dude, dude, then right. he's got to fall. Because even, like, the Buccaneers last year, uh, truth serum, they would tell you right now, it's like, what? What are we doing drafting Kyle Trask? He's not going to be the quarterback of the future for us, right? Mm-hmm. I wish we'd have had a piece that we could use right now to win right now. Right. Although I did say the exact same thing about Houston when they took Davis Mills. I'm like, if this guy plays, he's going to get killed. This is a wasted pick, even though I liked him a lot more than Trask. And they might have something. Yeah, there. you're right. You know it, mean, maybe, maybe it is you know? worth just the just in the off chance that it that it works out for you. It works. If right. you really like the guy, if you did have a top 
50 grade and he's there at 75. You're like, well, he's a quarterback and maybe he's something. Mm -hmm. How about this one? Just inside the top 50, David Ojabo, 49 overall, falling on DJ's list. Torn Achilles, um, how how far can he really fall all the way to the end of, say, the second round? Where, spoiler alert, our colleague uh, Cody Rourke of Locked On Broncos drafted him in our ultimate mock draft. Find the final episode of that today. And so, uh, d- does he really fall that far? Sort of remember Jeffrey Simmons a couple of years ago fell too far, and the the Titans got a steal of a player. Where does Ojabo end up? That's a really tough one in this class. If he starts to fall to round two, uh, like I'm all over him. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, I think right now he's competing against like Mafe, Ebiketti, Benito. He's, you know, I think DJ has Benito pretty high, who are cleaner prospects, but they're not tier one pass rushers. You know, they're not in the Jermaine Johnson or better, you know, level. Um, but again, there's so many teams where a Jabo makes more sense than even an Ebiketti to me. Again, the Lions at 32. Let's say the Jags do take Icky, and at the first pick of the second round, they get a Jabu uh, who might have a better career than Hutchinson. Oh. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's possible. Knowing or knowing, Atlanta knowing, or Seattle. <laughs> What's no, that? Knowing Trent Balky's affinity for drafting players who he values uh, as a right. steal with torn ACLs, um, and and I don't know if Achilles go into that for Trent Balky, but if if the Jaguars go offensive tackle. 100% guaranteed locking in Ojabo to the 30, Jaguars 30 at 33. Pick, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Maybe that's how he's thinking, too. Like, I know I'll get Ojabo at 33, and I love him. I don't know. How, here's a few names. Uh, we're going to start getting outside of the top 50. A few names that are going to go higher, maybe in the second round, that not a lot of people have heard of. How about Cam Jurgens, the center from Nebraska mm, yeah. at 58? And I know the 49ers are in the center market, or the interior it's offensive a good line center market. market. So potentially 61 there to the Niners, and I thought he might be a third-round guy, and he might be, but... I'm starting to see more people ranking him near the top 50 now. Cam Jurgens, athletic center out of Nebraska. Uh, one that stands out here glowingly is um, ranked 61 is George Pickens. He could fall quite a bit in this class. And I, I, I think he's a first-round guy. And so I don't know. He could go anywhere, really, in those 32 selections between, say, um, uh, or, or maybe the 50 selections between. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes 15, and I wouldn't be shocked if he's there at, at 64, the last pick in round two. I can see Kansas City or Green Bay who basically come in this draft, especially the Packers, saying we have to get a receiver high considering the trades we made. And there's a receiver run and at the end of the first. Green Bay says, hey, we'll take Pickens. Or, again, the Lions at 32. I think the Lions at the pick at 32 is one of the most interesting in this draft. Um, one other name I want to throw out there in this neighborhood, Leo Chennault from Wisconsin. I think he's not – no one's being slept on at 59 overall. But <laughs> – yeah. I might rather have him in the Kobe Dean, to be honest with you. I mean, oh, he is okay. huge and ripped up and blows up guards. And he's not a 1985 middle linebacker, but he does those things. But he is all over the field. I feel like him and Quay Walker might be my second and third linebacker behind Lloyd. And those guys are going top 15, 15 years ago. 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Chanel would be, oh, man, people would love him. 
How about back-to-back 67 and 68 safeties that have 4-3 speed and JT Woods and Nick Cross could go a lot higher than than people expect. I'm looking at some other ones down the list. Oh, here's another name that folks are going to have to go deep into their uh, into their binders to be like, wait, this guy just got drafted in the top 75? And this is the highest I've seen him ranked. I thought he was going to be a, a, a third, a day three guy. He was on my sleepers list and on the Locked On 49ers podcast a couple uh, episodes ago, D'Angelo Malone out of Western mm, Kentucky is ranked yeah. at 71. Really athletic edge rusher. And he's actually right behind Drake Jackson at 70. And the way I put it with D'Angelo Malone is like, look, if the Niners don't draft, say, Drake Jackson at 61, if they're looking at edge rushers, maybe in yep. round four, you look at uh, a similar facsimile here in uh, in D'Angelo Malone. DJ's got him back to back at 70 and 71. Yeah. I, I, I keep seeing Drake London's name higher and higher in two round mocks, three round mocks, you know, like, like you mentioned to your Niners in that neighborhood. I think that's about right. Here's my take on D'Angelo Malone. And I haven't studied him a lot, but my bet after doing this for 20 years or whatever is, and I'm not making fun of DJ because this is list. The media is finally catching up to what teams have known about this guy all along, you know, like, you know, list that came out right as soon as the college season ended, didn't have him as a top 10 edge rusher. But as you start talking to teams and scouts, people are like, oh, Malone's going in third. And then everyone starts watching him in that light going, oh, yeah, he's a third round player. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it happens every year. I mean, information comes out a little slower. Alex Wright, another edge rusher that's that's got a similar yeah. thing going on out of UAB, smaller guy. He's you know really athletic at, at six foot seven, two seventy or something like that. He's uh, he looks the part, and that's what's you know people are just like, well, I'm drafting traits, and I know this is a deep edge class, but at some point you're just like, well, I'll teach him how to run block, or we'll get him doing squats, and he'll get stronger, yeah. and, you know, or or the opposite, just um, just looking for Luke talent. Getke's another name here at seventy seven mm. that I think is guaranteed to go on day two, and maybe even a little higher than you think. Let's see, going down the list. Can we talk about this for real quick, one second? Yeah. Uh, he's got Kobe Bryant, the corner, Sauce Gardner's teammate from Cincinnati at 90. And this is not about the ranking of the player, but we've got Cam Thomas. We've got a, a Chris Paul in this class. Uh, <laughs> okay. we, what's going on with all the NBA names in this? Uh, Col- I think Kobe there's Bryant? an Isaiah Thomas, too. And an Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, that was the other Isaiah yeah. Thomas, right. So there's four all-star caliber NBA players in this draft, which is yeah, mind blowing. Good pickup team there. I like it. <laughs> I think I mentioned this before. I can get back to football for a second. One area in the corner world, you've mentioned a lot of these corners right in this neighborhood. I think the third round has about 10 corners that have a lot of traits. Some of them are small school guys like Zion McCollum. I think that's a great spot to get a corner. Zion McCollum, who had the best combine of anybody, just absurd like numbers across the board. Not only four three three speed, but the the like uh, I, he might have broke records with his short shuttles and his three cones. Like right, this guy right. is a freak and and raw, and He's that's the type two. of player that you should not be shocked if he goes as high as even round two. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, a lot of people are aware of Tariq Woolen. You know, as a similar freaky type guy, mm-hmm. McCollum might be more freaky. Oh, yes. Yeah, because he had the agilities to go along with right, it, even right. though uh, Woolen had just a little quicker 40 time. Right, exactly. Man, and you start to get to down into the 100s here, and you see some names like Darian Beavers. I didn't scout Darian Beavers. This is a top 100 player, mm, potentially. Interesting guy. Uh, how about this? Joshua Williams from a college I didn't even know it exists. The Fayetteville State University. I didn't know That's that was a real guys. college. That's one of my... 
Joshua uh, Williams, a corner. Tell me about Joshua Williams, Matt. He's another one. He's like six. He's an eighth inch under six three, just under two hundred pounds. Ran a four five one, which is fine. But he's one of these corners I'm talking about on the end. Of, you know, in the third round. That again, I have ten names like that or so that have a lot of traits, have some good tape. You know, have some concerns, but not massive ones. I mean, I think he's a perfect example of those corners I was talking about. Man, quite a fall for David Bell. He's at 115 now on DJ's list here. And uh, he could go into day three. And a lot of people were talking about him as a late one, early second round pick going into uh, the draft process. So great tape, not great workouts. Yeah. And a lot, I mean, you hear, well, Anquan Bolden, Keenan Allen, those guys didn't run well either. Okay. I I mean, I'll buy that, but they ran better routes. They come out of their breaks better. Bolden's more physical. Bell, I think, will stick in the league probably as a three, but like I don't think you'll ever have him on your fantasy team. Uh, here's a name to look out for in your fantasy leagues and your dynasty leagues. Pierre Strong, South Dakota State yeah. running back. He led college football in 50-plus yard runs. The guy's got 4-3 speed. If he lands in uh, one of those wide zone offenses, look out. I mean, we're talking potential uh, you know, Raheem Mostert-style player here. He, he's, he's I would say he looks legit, like a Niner. you got legit Jets. Yeah, and I've been talking about him as a fifth rounder for the 49ers. Uh, he might not make it to the fifth round. He's 114 here on DJ's list, so maybe you got to go early fourth with him. Yeah, I think you might have to. I mean, um, he looks like this year's Mitchell to me. Like, he yeah. could, if he falls in the right situation. Even faster, too. He might be and- a... Every week starting running back. Mitchell ran 4-3, and so did Pierre Strong. Pierre Strong plays faster than Mitchell does, too. And yeah, perfect yeah, fit for a Shanahan offense. Absolutely. Uh, Michael Clemens is uh, you know, one of those boomer bust edge players. There's a ton of them in this class. He's got him mm-hmm. at 117 here out of Texas A&M. Brian Cook, the safety from Cincinnati. I've seen him all over oh, the I place. Like I Cook, have yeah. Brian Cook more ranked where DJ does at 116. I've seen him up in, in, in people's top 50s. Yeah, I think he could go in round two. I mean, like, always bring it back to the Steelers. But, I mean, he was a guy that um, I, I thought before they signed Edmonds, maybe I'd consider at 53, and I would definitely take him in the third round. I like Cook a lot. Tested well, too. A couple of my favorites here at the tail end of the 150s. 131, Calvin Austin. I love Calvin Austin. He's not big or, uh, you know, uh, he, he's not, you know, prototype size as an NFL receiver, but this dude will absolutely be a special teamer and return kicks for you. And he is so fast. And he is like what we talked about with Ty McCollum uh, or Zion McCollum earlier. He's that for what receivers. And look, if you're five, seven, one seventy, one eighty, whatever he is, you better be fast. Uh, and I think he's got something that he can play on people's offenses. And he's a better prospect to me than Tutu Atwell who went what? Oh yeah. Like he went like 50 something last year. So yeah. look out for Calvin Austin. A team is one team. One of the 32 is going to love him. and He's going to go high. I think so too. I mean, Agree with everything you said, and even to take it a step further, he'd be noticeably higher on this list for me. Yes. He's one of these few little guys that gets off press coverage, lines up outside the numbers. I mean, he's not just gimmick slot only. I think he could be more than that. He may be an every-down receiver, which is rare at his size, but I'm open to the idea that he could be a rarity, an outlier. Um, a guy we've never talked about on the show with a couple picks before this at 128, Zach Tom is going to be a successful NFL lineman. He is smart. He's tough. He's versatile. He's athletic. He's a little undersized. He was a 
six four tackle and his tape's really good. People are looking at him like probably a guard, but I think he's a center. You know, I mean, an athletic you know center with a good body for that. A guy like Zach Tom is going to last in this league as a starter. I'm glad you brought him up because late in the process, I caught wind of Zach Tom and who he was because people were talking about offensive tackle prospects and he got lost because he was so small that everyone knew he wasn't going to be a tackle even though he played left tackle at Wake Forest and I also passed over him because he got two first names and I was like he can't be a good NFL player two first names Zach Tom but um, I watched him was like oh man flat back just super athletic and he wore number 50 so he looked like a a sort of a a linebacker you know and I was like man this guy (laughs) but then when I saw the 50 and I thought about it I was like oh he's a center and then he, he started for a full season as a center then started Started two full seasons as a left tackle. Uh, I sure. like Zach Tom a lot. And I'm glad you brought him up because uh, 128 is too low, I think, for Zach Tom. I think he's a starting caliber lineman somewhere. A team could look at him and say, look, even if he's a backup in year one as a center, he can be a backup swing tackle as well. So he's got value and he can dress because that's the tough thing about centers is if you're not starting, you're probably not even dressing if you can't back up multiple positions on game day. So Zach Tom can be a developmental player for a team, and I think he's probably a starting caliber NFL center at the end of the day and goes in round three. I agree. I agree. I mean, I think he'll start for somewhere, for someone somewhere for a long time. But even despite his, you know, lack of size, I mean, he could play left tackle. He was a really good pass blocking left tackle, uh, you know, and, and and has kind of long enough arms too. So he might even sneak in there and play some reps as a young he player. Might be Kelvin Beecham. How about this one though? I'm going to finish with this last one. Oh, Kelvin Beecham's a great comp there. Um, yeah. He reminds me of just one of those 1990s offensive tackles. That's what I saw. You know, yeah, right, right. Just remember back in the day, it was like, and we're going way long, but that's okay. Um, the uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Remember, at some point in the 90s, it was the first time that an entire offensive line, everybody was over 300 pounds. You know, right, that's that's big, when yeah, Zach right. Tom would have still been a left tackle in the league, but now he's got to move inside the center. Yep. Matt Areza. The, the punt god and the kick god. I, he could be a punter or a kicker in the NFL, most likely just a punter and backup kicker. But um, I look, I can't get on board with a, with drafting a punter this high. I killed the 49ers for drafting a punter in the fourth round a couple of years ago. Um, but Matt Arraiz is probably going to go that high in this class. And I keep seeing him in some of these seven-round mocks going in the sixth or seventh round. I think he's probably going to end up going higher. One of the better punt prospects we've seen in a while. And, and, and I guess, you know, we got to talk at least about one kicker, one punter here, and it's going to be Matt Areza. It sounds like he's a special punter. I've heard that from day one. Um, Penn State's got another punter that most years would be the first one taken, but not this year because of Areza. Uh, he also has Cade York at 111 as the top kicker from LSU in this class. But um, kind of reminds me of like when Dixon came out and went to Texas. You know, like there was a little bit of of a legend already there before he even came in the league. Well, that is Daniel Jeremiah, his top 150. And uh, it's fun to see kind of how this class landed because that is the last top 150 and really trust Daniel Jeremiah's uh, insights here. And so we wanted to kind of go through that. And um, we're getting ready to do this thing. NFL Draft Week, Matt. Uh, I can't wait. Tomorrow's Twitter Tuesday episode. Get those questions in at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. My final mock draft coming up later in the week. All the latest news going into draft, into the NFL draft as well. Make sure you check out all the coverage on Locked On NFL YouTube page. Matt and I back tomorrow right here. Peacock and Williamson.